Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, author of The Living Spirit, a tale of awakening, spiritual communication, healing, the truth of our being, and a guide to inner soul development. Today, I am most delighted to welcome back Roberta Grimes, author of The Fun of Growing Forever. Previous interviews with Roberta Grimes on her books, The Fun of Dying and The Fun of Staying in Touch, may be heard on my website, CherylGlick.com, just by going to the radio page and checking it out. Hello, Roberta, and thank you for joining Hi, us Cheryl. again. I'm so, glad to, I'm so glad to be here with you. Well, I'm glad, too, because we're going to talk about one of my most favorite subjects, the illumination of a greater understanding of the afterlife and the implications for improving human development. Like you, yeah, like you, my passion and need to share the truth of who we are and why we are experiencing life in a physical reality is endless. So, Roberta, as listeners of Healing from Within are well aware, my guests and I have found many ways to look within for self-investigation, self-reflection, and to discover more about mastering our emotions, thoughts, and actions so we can create our most successful, healthy life and afterlife journey. Roberta... In today's episode, uh, you who are a business attorney, novelist, and speaker, and whose spiritual journey began with two extraordinary experiences of light as a child, has spent decades studying nearly 200 years of consistent communications from the dead and other afterlife-related evidence to assemble an in-depth understanding of indeed who we are, what we are, how reality works, the nature of God, and the meaning and purpose of our lives. Roberta, I always love to ask my guests to think back to their childhood and to remember a thought, a word, a place, a wish they may have had, which may have shown them or others the direction and interest they might have as an adult, because I believe we're born with a plan or destiny and a need only to remember who we are in order to create the life to fulfill that plan. So think back for a minute. Well, of course, what shaped my entire life was something that happened when I was eight, and that was my first experience of light. Had that not happened, I don't think I would have... I mean, you're absolutely right. We do plan our lives, and I planned a rather rather ambitious one this time. And in order to get me on track, uh, I was given this experience when I was eight years old, um, and my my primary guide communicated to me. I think I've told it already to your listeners, but I'll say it again just briefly. I I was eight years old, April of 1955, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and I knew there was no God. And I was terrified. And in the middle of my room, there was a flash of light. And a voice said, you wouldn't know what it is to have me unless you knew what it is to be without me. I will never Ah. leave you again. And, you know, because when you're very young, everything surprises you, so really nothing does. My thought at the time was, isn't that handy? If you forget there's a God, they remind you. And I went back to sleep. But it feels still today, and that's, you know, more than 60 years later, that um, that that just happened last night, and it did it. it, drove, did, it did it happen it, last it, it, night? 
No, it didn't, but it feels that way. <laughs> it's, it's in the nature of these experiences that they stay present in your mind as a, as a present memory. They're not, they don't grow vague or vapory with, with time. No. I never told anyone what had happened to me, so I never, you never ask a question, you never get an answer. I thought it was normal. Everybody must have that happen if they forget there's a God. But eventually I knew I had to figure out myself what that experience had been, and that's what led me to study the afterlife. I think that's the hardest thing sometimes for children who have extraordinary experiences or, or who, who are empaths and ready eventually to become mediums, is that you really, you, you, you're scared to talk. I'm not scared so much as very reluctant to share it. It's too precious yes, a, a I, thing. You're right. I don't think you're scared. I think what you said before was you just thought everybody was having this experience. Yes, right. And everybody. You, it's normal. It right. was normal, so you, you didn't think there was anything to discuss. I guess right. that's more what it is. But yes, let's, let's go true. on. Yeah. Tell us something about what brought you to be so passionate about understanding the afterlife and its implications. And really now the afterlife is like a study. You call it afterlife studies, a science, a type of science. Oh, indeed, it is a science. Um, well, I, I started out just trying to figure out where that light had come from because I knew it was real and where the vo- what the voice was. And I discovered that we have received really toward the latter part of the 19th century and until about 1940, we have a treasure trove of many, many communications with people we used to think were dead that were received through deep trance mediums and in some cases through channeling, much, much more accuracy and detail than what we get now in general with with, um, spiritual mediums. It's not mind reading, in other words. It's Someone who is dead is actually talking to us using the vocal cords of a living person, mm-hmm. and 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 it was I, they, a lot of this has been published, and I spent years just reading everything I could find that was that came to us from dead people in the first part of the 20th century, and what I discovered was this was by the way mainly mostly in New York, Boston, and London, uh, and over, you know, 150 years. And what was amazing to me was that it was all perfectly consistent. It was a big story. I mean, people, I never found two cases that I thought were, were copied, but uh, but they all were in the same place. It was always the same process, the same, you know, things people do, the same physics, the same way they communicate, the same way they travel, the same everything over all that time. And that's when I came to understand that it really had to be real. I never found a single example that was inconsistent in those basic ways. So once you find out you've discovered something real that most people don't know about, it becomes a very compelling hobby, and that's what it's been for me ever since. Absolutely. And I I guess you also realized uh, why you came into this lifetime, and all our questions lead us to want to know why? So why did you come into this lifetime? What is it we're all supposed to do while we're here? Well, we're, we're, what the dead tell us is that we're here to learn to love perfectly and forgive completely. You have to forgive, of course, in order to be able to love as we're supposed to love. Mm-hmm. But each of us also comes in with individual tasks that um, we've agreed to do. In some cases, it's just learning to love. That we, we all have a lot of lifetimes like that. But I came in with a series of tasks I had agreed to do, 
and I'm still learning about them. I mean, it's amazing. I thought it was just to teach about the afterlife. And then when um, I, I also have been a biblical scholar, and when I came to understand that nothing that Christianity taught was true, but that Jesus was absolutely accurate as far as the dead were concerned, then I thought I was supposed to be someone who taught the truth of what Jesus actually came to do, which is nothing to do with what we think of as Christianity. And more recently, I've come to understand in the, in the book that's just been published that maybe what I came to do is help to end our racial problems because that's what I'm working on now. So I don't know. Ask me in a year, Cheryl. I may have another idea about what I really I'm sure to. you will because they, <laughs> they keep giving us, as we achieve yes. certain levels yes. of proficiency, they give us new gifts and skills. <laughs> but, but the answer yes. I was looking for was um, we came into this lifetime really to have the greatest possible spiritual growth. And that's for each and every person on the planet. It's not about what we do. It's not about the books we write. It's not about the places we visit, although it's all wonderful. You know, it is about basically learning greater compassion and love and forgiveness and to know who we are as spiritual beings, having this physical opportunity to remember once again who we are and to have more spiritual growth. So that's really the most important thing. Once you discover that, life becomes a lot easier than just thinking you have to do this and this and this in a certain order of events because there really is no time and space and everything is happening in the past, present, and future simultaneously in this energy or vibration of the afterlife or different dimensions of life. Uh, so it's fascinating. It's hard to grasp, but it's quantum physics, and it's the truth of who we are as spirit, having a physical yes. life at and, the moment. And, and for some of us, like you and like me, we came not just to learn it for ourselves, but to also help other people learn it. Yes. And that's a that's a wonderful gift that we've been given, this opportunity to be of service in that way. Um, I hear from people now all day, every day, uh, who are who are just discovering the, the this sort of greater reality which is interpenetrates this one and which in which contains all the answers to all these hungers that we have. It's a beautiful thing to be able to help people that way. Absolutely. And many of the um, awarenesses that I have discovered over time, when I read it written by another author like yourself, I am so delighted and validated and tickled that we know and in our oneness have found the truth through the physical world and all the challenges of a physical life. For example, you say... Uh, no religion puts spiritual growth first. Why do you say that it is the truth? But tell us something about that. Well, here's the thing. We now understand that the only thing that exists is consciousness. This is something actually Max Planck, who got the Nobel Prize in 1918 as the daddy of quantum mechanics, this is something he said. And, uh, and and it's true. The only thing that exists is what we think of as human consciousness, although what we experience of it is, is, is just a tiny part of what actually is our greater minds. So what, what, we're, what we find is that that is energy, that consciousness is pure energy, and it exists mm -hmm. in a range of vibrations from the lowest, which is abject fear and all the other negative, nasty emotions, and to the highest, which is perfect love. Mm -hmm. Now, 
every religion of which I am aware, every one that I have studied, is based in fear. Christianity certainly is. You know, fear of hell, fear of making a mistake, fear of choosing the wrong denomination out of 40,000-odd Christian denominations. It's full of fear. The way they get you to get in the pews every Sunday is by basically making you worry that if you don't do that, you may, may end up in hell. It's impossible for that kind of thought system to help you grow spiritually because right. it, teach, it, it lowers your vibration, doesn't raise it. Mm-hmm. What Jesus came to do was help us raise our vibration. What the teachings of the gospel turn out to be, uh, in my view, the easiest way to raise your vibration away from fear toward, but toward more perfect love. However, I don't know of a single one of those 40,000-odd Christian denominations that teaches that or even teaches anything about his teachings except, gee, you know, try to love if you can and forgive if it's possible. That's not what he came to say. He didn't say try. He said do, because that's why you're here. Yeah. He was a master teacher. And you you say a master teacher of the afterlife. And I have, in meditation, had impressions of Jesus. And, And he has cried and... And I, I felt him whispered, you know, not in words exactly, but in thoughts, uh, that I am so sorry for the suffering, and you are doing my work as I did it, and crying for the suffering of humanity. So uh, this is it. He was here to show us we don't have to suffer. We have the love. We are eternal. We will be in another life. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear other people. We have to find the truth of our being, our eternal energy or soul source, as he did. And, and that's what he was trying to show us. And he was quite modern. One of the things that's interesting is that um, Thomas Jefferson said that words of Jesus in, in the Bible stand out like diamonds in a dunghill. And he knew, of course, as a farmer, he knew about dunghills. But what, what the truth really is, is that he's eternal. He, he's genuine. Most of what is in the Christian Bible is, is human-based. It was written by people who were trying very hard to do the best they could, but, they, but it's human. So it's all very dated-sounding. Right. Um, that's true even of the New Testament. When you, when you read the Gospels, you, you, the, suddenly you are in the modern age. You're, you're in, a, you're in an, with an eternal modern person. So I think that insight of yours is a great one. Then you go back to Paul, and and he's, he did such a good job with what he had, but he's not Jesus. Well, you have to remember that they were only aware. These are very primitive times, primitive lifestyles. And they didn't have the tools or the knowledge. So uh, some of what was written uh, may have been divinely inspired in disciples of Jesus. But then the rest of it was filled in with their need to live in a world that was very challenging, even more so than our world now, which is quite challenging, actually. What we're going through now is another uh, spiritual level evolution like they went through maybe 2,000 years ago. And so uh, we have to help people just know that everything that happens is not random. There is purpose and order in the universe and to our learning curve. 
And if we allow acceptance, surrender to the goodness in our heart and in our being, our soul, the way Jesus did, and he accepted his life, and I believe he knew how it was going to end also. And while he might have been afraid in his human thoughts, his ego-minded based thought, in his heart he knew just what had to be. Tell us about that. You say something about him on the cross and what what we can learn from that. Well, here's the thing. We are told by people we used to think were dead um, that Jesus did not intend, actually, to die that way. Uh, and he did it. It was a decision he made while he was here on earth for a specific purpose. And that was he was talking to primitives to people iron age people these these people he was trying to explain to them that they had eternal minds their lives were eternal but they knew better they had seen people rot away and how can you convince them that in fact they're going to live live on after what looks like death well you got to do a demonstration so he decided that he decided he was going to allow himself to go through a crucifixion so he would have a very public very nasty death and then he would rise from the dead. And ta-da, I didn't die, neither are you going to die. And that's apparently the reason it happened. It had nothing to do with redemption, of course, because nobody ever judges us. There's never been any person who studied the afterlife and has found any evidence whatsoever that God judges us or that Jesus judges us. It just, it just doesn't happen that way. That's a, that's a first century Jewish belief that, that we got stuck with. Yes, well, it started with a God that was very vengeful, and if you didn't do the right thing, you would be smitten down, burnt, blown away. And then we had uh, Christianity trying to teach about love and forgiveness, but still they taught suffering and hell. So they didn't get much away from the first. And then we have uh, the Muslim religion, or Islam, which has many beliefs about uh, how people live and what's acceptable and not acceptable and what God wants and what God doesn't want. And we know God to be an energy, as Jesus was an energy of love and compassion and evolution without judgment. So they're all wrong. All three of them have their limitations. They have the need to understand what life is about and what death is about, but they've gotten uh, sort of caught or stuck in traditions that don't work any longer, and they want to keep going on and on and on and on without addressing a modern approach. And we were shown that by Jesus 2,000 years ago. Yeah, the, the problem is that um, all of these great religions uh, have a central figure who came, uh, a, a great eternal being who came to teach these eternal truths to basically advance our spiritual understanding in the broadest possible way. The problem is they were speaking to people who used religion as a kind of crutch, a way to protect themselves from yes. the fact that they didn't understand anything. And so immediately uh, after the, the original great teacher died, the, um, the people who had been this person's followers sort of created a fly in amber. They, they take, took some of those words and teachings and their own primitive understandings of what had been said, usually not correct understandings, and they preserved them inside the traditions of the day in which this person lived. 
So no religion ever advances. Basically, each religion says, all right, here's the last word we'll allow God to give us. God cannot give us any future revelations. We got it now. But he's I mean, giving us he's giving us information. How, how can yes? How now. can we limit God? Which is what all the religions do. Right. Christianity certainly does it. God is giving us new revelation at every moment. Right. And we must open our minds and hearts to that because God is genuine and God is not human and God has no human failings at right. all. He's God is fluid. Energy, creation, and life. God is spirit, and God is perfect. Spirit, and within us. And so as we're <laughs> changing, and in the oneness of all our being, we're creating something new in every moment. So that is the limitation of religion. And that's why spirituality seeks to um, self-investigate will go deeper within to make that personal connection to this energy and continue to grow. So that's the difference. That's the difference between, uh, I would say... I think that's a very important thing to say because many people think spiritual, that religions are spiritual. I know of not a single religion that is spiritual. That's not what they're here for. They're here to manage us right. in such a way that we will not do really horrible things in our lives to teach us basic sort of morality rules and to keep us fearful enough that we'll support the religion that's what they do that's what they all do yeah but we're still doing miserable things in the world so they're not working well, that's, that's because religions are fear-based yes and since they're fear-based people act out of all the negativity that the religions create in the world people act out of that negativity and we can see it all around us absolutely and this is true it's true also of Christianity. I mean, I love Jesus more than anything on earth. I came to the point, on earth or in heaven, I came to the point where I realized that what Jesus taught, what he came to do, is so different from any of the Christian um, denominations I practiced that I had to choose. I could have Jesus or I could be a Christian, but I could not have both. I submit to you, nobody can do both. And what I found when I chose Jesus was Jesus is quite enough. I've been much happier ever since and, and lived in close communication with Jesus as opposed to, you know, looking up at him on a cross. Which well, is because anything he attended, intended. Be, because he is the truth and the way, <laughs> the way to afterlife, the way to eternal life, the way to evolution and change, because his his message was very, very simple. Gratitude, forgiveness and love. And and that's all and, and, we and need to keep working us, on. You know? he, did, he didn't want us to make a religion out of this. He, no, he told no. us, don't put new wine into old wineskins, which yes. is exactly what we did. We put his teachings into first century Judaism. Right. He also said his teachings are the whole point. Here's a direct biblical quote. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's John eight thirty one to thirty two, and it's absolutely true. He was absolutely right about that. He yeah, still is today. I agree with you. And in in my book, The Living Spirit, I who have felt Jesus in meditation, and as I told you earlier, cried when he said, "I cry with you for the injustices of the world." I wrote this. As I discovered our human need to truly understand how we may grow spiritually, as Jesus tried to show. And I wrote, Each human being builds through unity 
and purpose of experiences, an indivisible oneness of the finest aspects of divine blessings, which are love, humility, forgiveness, and the generosity of merging ourselves with all that is. The purpose must be to prepare and refine our souls through our choices made in this physical life for an eternal soul worthy of divine introspection. So, there it Lovely. is. But, but what do the dead have to say about religion? What do the dead have to say? They don't practice religion. I know that. They, they, I, I just they, wanted you to say that. Yeah, but. I mean, they, they, they don't need religion because um, they, it's really kind of astonishing to me. When I say they don't practice religion, well, you can do whatever you like in the afterlife, but when they get there, they live in the light, which is God's love. They, there's no question. The one thing there never is in, in, in the, the post-death reality, which is our real reality, there's no, there are no atheists. They, they, mm. they, they know they were on the wrong side now, and they very happily espouse the truth. But there are a few people who loved Christianity so much that even though they know the truth, they still get together to sing hymns, which that's, well, that's fine. Nice. They can do that. Yeah, that's uh, nice. Yeah. But, but the point is, they know that all the things they believed were nonsense. And during that period of where, where I did most, my most intensive study, the early part of the 20th century, when they were asked that question, what about, what about your religion? Many of them would say that some variant of, I can't talk about it because my family is very religious. I don't want to upset them. That's how they put it. And we now know why they put it that way, because there isn't any religion there. None. There's no throne room, everybody. Right. I tell people that all the time. And a lot of people are happy to know that when they get beyond here, they'll have opportunities to review what they've done here and grow and make different choices and continue to live in a different type of peace and love and growth. So it is comforting to know, but it's also the truth. So besides being comforting, it's also the truth. Now, what do the dead say about the future on this planet? We're all concerned very much about that right now with what's going on in the world. So please tell us about that. Well, I don't know if we have enough time because this is a big thing. Look, um, what we're told is that the the level of development of this planet, uh, the, the, the vibration has gone so far toward fear that we are basically in interplanetary intensive care. And an intensive effort is being made on this planet to raise our consciousness quickly enough that we can keep the planet from basically being overrun with negativity and um, make it continue to be a place where we can come to grow. I mean, we need negativity. It's like going to the gym. You need things to push against or you can't grow your spiritual muscles, but there's too much of it now. And you and I and many others have deliberately come in in order to help people learn how to raise their spiritual levels. We're told, and the good news is that it's actually working. It's beginning to work. I think it it will work, yes. So I want to thank you, Roberta Grimes, for your dedicated search for the truth of our universal being, souls forever on a journey of self-discovery and remembrance of our human and divine capacity to achieve our true potential for greater love and compassion. To read more about Roberta's intuitive look at universal life, go to robertagrimes.com 
or Amazon.com. In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, Roberta and I, who have spent a good part of our lives exploring the true nature of physical and energetic life in order to answer questions about why a soul who is unlimited in expansion above would choose a limiting physical reality and in finding an answer we have found freedom to live and freedom to change and expand nothing could be greater or more wonderful than that truth the truth that Roberta and I have been privileged to learn and share is what he Jesus taught us about God and Roberta you wrote this Jesus told us the fundamental fact that God is loving spirit and each of us is part of God this was radical stuff in ancient times when most people worshipped semi-physical gods who were more like the Old Testament's Jehovah, often vengeful and hard to placate. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The kingdom of God is within you. Roberta and I would have you work on finding your own many spiritual gifts of universal love and forgiveness and to transcend the physical fears and limits to know and transform yourself into a more evolved divine soul that you have always been. Please bring heaven to your life and to our planet and do not engage the conflicting messages of many who still do not appreciate life as it is stand in your own alignment to your personal growth and we will affect those here and in spirit with this sense of eternal reality I am Cheryl Glick host of Healing from Within and invite you to visit my website CherylGlick.com to hear and read about visionaries and leaders in the metaphysical fields as we seek to know ourselves, our world, our universe with greater truth and awareness. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you.